Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this week's episode, we're reviewing Wonka, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And gosh, we're so glad that you could join us. (laughs) Always so glad. Always so glad. (laughs) Wonka tells the wondrous prequel story of how a young chocolate maker and inventor, armed with nothing but a hat full of dreams, becomes the most iconic character at the centre of Roald Dahl's best-selling children's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Wonka is written and directed by Paul King, who has bought us the absolutely delightful Paddington movies. The movie stars Timothy Chalamet, Carla Lane, Olivia Colman, Sally Hawkins, Hugh Grant, Rowan Atkinson, Keegan-Michael Key... Patterson Joseph, Matt Lucas, Matthew Bainton, and so more. What a cast. Lee, there's there's so much to unpack about Wonka. Yeah. And one of the first things is, I guess, that age-old question where you ask yourselves about, you know, big studio filmmaking who have lucrative and popular IP, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- at their fingertips and, and also uncovering the intentions behind what they want to do with it. Yeah. And that ult- ultimately is right to make money, okay? <laughs> We're in a capitalist <laughs> yeah. society. They've got very, very shiny IP and, and Wonka is one of them. Commercialism. Commercialism, hooray. <laughs> you know, and to feed off our lust for nostalgia, yeah. right? And one of the first questions I kind of like asked myself when we learned of this news a couple of years ago was, mm. do we need a prequel to learn the origins of Willy Wonka. Who asked for this movie? Do we need it? It's like an overarching statement. Like, I'm so glad we got it. (laughs) But he's such an interesting character. Like, there's no doubt about it. And Gene Wilder 
played him in such a fascinating way in the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's ripe for picking, isn't it? It's ripe for delving Mm. into. And let's dive into whether they did a successful job of it or not. Yes, (laughs) I, I think they did. I was so happy with it. Even all my criticisms about IP and lusting mm. for our nostalgia. I was absolutely delighted and pleasantly yeah. surprised by this movie in every way. You know what? I had a feeling that you would love this film. I said that to you. We didn't get to see it together, unfortunately, mm. but I was very excited for you to see this film because I thought you would enjoy it. And I did too. I found it, as you said, utterly delightful. Put a smile on my face. I came out of the cinema just, you know, really happy. You, you did kind of break a rule because obviously our, our listener knows that our rule is that mm. even though we see all these movies together, we, we don't actually share our thoughts no. on them until uh, the microphone is hot. But you did break a little rule going, I think you're really mm. going to like Wonka. <laughs> it was just really delightful. So, yeah, I mean, that was actually quite comforting to me because I was actually really on the back foot with this one. Okay. So you gave me some hope before I got to see it. Having said that, though, it's not a perfect film by any means. Mm. It is entertaining. Mm. It is enjoyable. But Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is one of the best-selling books of all time, right? Mm. So there are going to be opinions, capital O, about this film. Yes. The one that we're seeing most often at the moment is that there isn't that darkness to the character of Willy Wonka. You know, as we mentioned, Gene Wilder played him so brilliantly as a tormented recluse with this just like little hint of sinister about him. Mm. And then we had Johnny Depp's version, obviously, which was completely unhinged, as you would expect from any... So unhinged. <laughs> a Tim Burton, yeah. Johnny Depp co-production. Yeah, as you would expect. But this is a time when he's unjaded. You know, he's young. Yes. He's, he's got dreams. He wants to become the world's best chocolate maker. He's the epitome of dreamer, basically. You know, for example, he loses all his money in one day. And he's still smiling. Mm. And that is the character. That is the point of this character at this point in time of his life. All he has is a magical hat full of dreams as (laughs) is, you know, lyrically told and shown in in the opening scenes of the movie. Yes, it's an interesting take. And, I mean, that's what we get delivered. We don't get delivered a jaded, slightly mm, insane Willy Wonka (laughs) that that Gene Wilder so iconically (laughs) delivered some, you know, 50 years ago. Eccentric. Absolutely eccentric. And, yeah, he's unjaded. He's fresh. He's just – he wants to just share his chocolate recipes with the world. He just wants people to love chocolate as much as he does and his really unique, special, magical Mm. twist on a classic is something that he is just so excited to share with the world. And there's a lot of silly in this film, isn't there? It's definitely a family film. You know, like from the names of the characters to, you know, chocoholic monks that guard <laughs> this secret vault of chocolate. It's very in keeping with the style of Roald Dahl. So I think they nailed that really well. You know, like the nice officer's name in the film is Officer Affable. <laughs> Mrs. Scrubbit is a washer lady. Bleacher is her gross offsider. You know, Lottie Bell used to work in a telephone exchange. Piper Benz was a plumber. Abacus was an accountant. I could go on and on and on. There's this whimsical quality to the characters and what happens in the film that I think is very in keeping with Roald Dahl. Absolutely. And in keeping with that and through the vessels of it's something simple like a character's name, which elicits a, a joyous mm-hmm. reaction, there is so much heart and humour and just so much joy. Yeah. I found myself just bowled over by its charm and, and sense of endearment. Mm. 
and that's not just exclusively because it was a musical. It's just how the world is realised visually and audibly. I think just all those ingredients that came together. It is important to mention that this is a musical. I mean, I'm sure people know that anyway. You would expect that. Do they though? (laughs) You would expect that because there's a lot of talk at the moment about way films are being marketed and musicals are being flown under the radar because they don't test well in focus groups. Mm. So they're kind of hiding when things are musicals in the marketing to encourage, almost trick people into going to the cinema. Yeah, I don't like that though. No. And we've talked about this at length on the podcast. I don't like being slightly manipulated by marketing. I totally hear what you're saying about uh, test audiences and focus groups and all the rest of it. But if you have a musical and you happen to have a really good one on your hands, why don't you endorse and market it as such and Mm. get people excited and welcome them in to give them a little flavour, for lack of a better word, of of what they could experience for two hours? And I just find that really bizarre. I actually had a friend who messaged me after seeing Wonka and said, I actually, (laughs) I legitimately had no idea it was a musical until they started singing. And they're like, oh, okay, this is a musical. All right. But they went in completely unawares that it was a musical. And I think that's wrong. Had they never seen the original? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, this is the point that we're making here is that it wasn't made clear Mm. overtly at all that this version of the story was also a musical too. I think the issue is that every studio is trying to appeal to the largest possible demographic and get everyone in. But, you know, own the movie you've made. It might be niche. This isn't niche. This will apply to a wide range of people, even if it is a musical. Mm. But you don't need to hedge your bets so largely. Just just back mm. it, back what you've made and stand beside it and, and be proud of it. One of the things I want to pull out from what you said was how it will um, speak to a wide audience. And I think from my perspective, the film captures really perfectly our love of chocolate mm. as like humans, <laughs> that universality of it. And it does a great job in positioning chocolate as an otherworldly delight. Yeah. So I just, I really loved how chocolate was just so elevated. I mean, of course, it's it's the chocolate of Willy Wonka, but it was just so exciting. Mm. And you could absolutely relate to, you know, that chocolate that you just love. And when you discover something different and everyone's got their all unique uh, yeah. sentiments about it, I thought that was really well done here. Yeah, it kind of speaks to this nostalgic time when you're a kid and chocolate was a treat. Like now when you're an adult, you can just get it whenever you want and it's not as special. But when you're a kid getting that like one chocolate at night, that was really, really special. It, it speaks to that sort of time of nostalgia, which is really, really nice. Having said all this, all these wonderful things that we're saying about the film, I expected more of this origin story. Okay. You know, when we, when we meet Willy Wonka, he's coming home from this wild ingredient collecting seven-year adventure, like literally one of the first lines of the film – is a song about how he's been away for seven years and he's already discovered his passion and he's determined to make his mark. So we didn't get to see any of him coming into that special period and what makes him him. You know, we got a bit of a Mm. flashback about his mother and his love of chocolate and that's great. But, um, you know, why can't he read? There was this silly plot device in there that served absolutely no purpose. Just on the the not reading thing, you are right in that what real purpose to the story or plot does it hold? But I think the beauty and and the gorgeousness of that particular element of the story Mm. has to do with character and the relationship that Noodle and Willy Wonka have together Mm. and the fact that even though he comes with this lust for life and this absolute 
eccentric energy about chocolate and wanting people to love it as much as him and discover it. There are some really like simple things about that you take for granted mm. in being able to read. And he is quite receptive and open to be offered help. Yeah. And I just thought it was a really nice gesture of two human beings sort of teaching and learning from each other. And yes, it's bizarre that he doesn't know how to read. I, I don't understand why, but I actually quite enjoyed that really lovely layer of it um, yeah. that he was being taught how to read. I just think there's this missed opportunity there in the wild world of where he's been, like there could have been all these colourful, exotic locations and and him discovering his love for engineering, like he's this wonderful inventor and he just already is that. Where did that come from? Where did his love come of inventing? And we saw a bit of the magician in him when he was younger and how he would Mm. would use that to entertain his mother. Yeah, if it's going to be an origin story, where's the origins of him? You know, we got the origins of how he built his factory, which was was great. But where is the actual origin stories of Willy Wonka? So, do we need a prequel for the prequel next <laughs> as guess, the sequel? I guess that's what prequel. I'm saying, isn't it? Yeah. There are a few contrived plot devices too. I mean, characters kind of get from A to B in ways that aren't really necessary but play into that silly fun and that cartoonish kind of heist movie vibe that it has. It's full mm. of chase sequences and funny things. Like at one point they let a giraffe into a church for what purpose? Like that seemed like a very over-the-top, out-of-the-way distraction. Right. <laughs> Just a reason for Rowan Atkinson to flail his arms hysterically yeah. like he does so well. Yeah. I mean, of all things, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so things like that don't land as well as the whimsy of the story and, and the locations and things. But, it, I mean, I guess it's a small thing, isn't it? Well, no. Like, I actually think you you make absolute sense. I just personally don't have an issue with the fact that there are gaps in that discovery because I just felt like Willy Wonka, although he still had so much to learn and discover about himself and and the world because he comes in with a bit of naivety mm. to him, doesn't he? Like he, he has to uh, sort of noodle, has to introduce him to the the re- reality of, of life. He has, like you mentioned, been gone for seven years picking coca beans. You know, he's really <laughs> not been exposed to society and what it takes, <laughs> what happens as part of it and that mm. – you know, life isn't fair. He's coming in going, all right, everyone needs to love my chocolate. It's like, hold on, just <laughs> there's some shit going down that you need to be receptive to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was just really, really swept up by this movie and I, I did. I don't come with those sort of criticisms, but I, I totally hear what you mean. There's probably some more you would have just liked to have seen, maybe because you were enjoying it so much. It's like, I want to see him discover more yeah. about himself. And there's this rich area between him and, and the Oompa Loompa. And, you know, mm. I mean, they do go into a little bit of a backstory there. But, yeah, there's so much fertile ground there for an origin story that you could have had this wild, exotic, international adventure movie instead of it being yes. set in the dreary streets of, I don't know, a kind of London town. It wasn't quite London, but it was some kind of European London-inspired town. Very European. It wasn't meant to be a single place, but I was getting flavours of Paris Mm. uh, as well. Yeah, visually we'll talk about that in a a moment. But, um, yeah, can I talk about some criticisms about the story? Minute ones from my perspective was, and it could have just come from a lapse in concentration for me because this story is quite fast moving Mm. and you get a lot of uh, plot progression 
in lyrics because it is a musical. A lot mm. of the story is told through through song. Um, so you have to pay attention. But I felt like there were quite quick moments through the lyrics that revealed certain plot points that were character-related that I missed and I felt a bit disconnected from that sort of, yeah, that leap, that mm. sort of jump that you're like, okay, they've gone from A to B, but how I don't actually know how they got from A to B. <laughs> yeah. So there were just some things that I was like, oh, what what is that about Noodle and this and mm. just a few of those things that I felt a little – I needed to ask questions after, basically. Yeah, so they're using uh, the lyrics as an exposition, basically. Yeah, and you blink and you miss it sometimes and mm. I felt like they probably could have served the audience maybe a little more if, if it was, you know, not just like – put on a civil yeah. part for you, but maybe referenced again just yeah. to clarify it. <laughs> Lucky it wasn't a Lin-Manuel Miranda production because you'd never be able to catch on to the lyrics. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you need subtitles. <laughs> oh, my God. That's one of my favourite songs of his. <laughs> Banger. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> he is a- absolute genius. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, jokes aside. Speaking of genius, let's talk about Chalamet because I know that you're a big fan of him in general as an actor. Mm. You know, he has this charismatic like ability as the character and this perpetual innocence that the role needs. I think I, mean, I think he's going to be stuck in this kind of innocent role <laughs> for the rest of his life, the young ingenue. Ingenue. I, I just, yeah, to build on your point, I am a huge avid fan of Timothy Chalamet. His range as an actor is just extraordinary. I mean, he can be eating humans in one movie <laughs> and then eating chocolate with delight in another. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hey, and maybe not so innocent after all. <laughs> maybe not so innocent. It's called Bones and All and he's quite literally a cannibal. It's an excellent, excellent, dark, twisted, fucked up movie. So if you do get queasy over um, small cuts on knees, then that ain't the movie for you, friends. <laughs> no. But uh, I want to talk about what you think of his singing and dancing mm. abilities because we've never seen him do anything like this before. No, I mean, his voice might be a little bit thin. I'm no singing expert. I'm definitely not good at singing myself, but he's light on his feet. He's not a bad singer, mm. I don't think. Uh, and he plays the early evolution of this character just just so well. It's, just, it's delightful. We keep using the word delightful and it is delightful. Yes, and that's a word that you cannot avoid when describing a Paul King film mm. either when you think about the products that he's given us in Paddington and Paddington 2 and then mm. now Wonka, delightful, is a word that is top of mind. I thought Chalamet's voice was very strong. I was quite mm. surprised by his singing chops and the choreography was quite well done. I don't think he's a particularly overly strong dancer, but it worked for this movie mm. and he had the backing of a huge uh, ensemble dance crew that sort of elevated the film visually from a choreography yeah. perspective so I think it came together really well like that. Yeah he did a fantastic job. Uh, we have to talk about the little orange man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Grant. Please. He describes the Oompa Loompa as a curmudgeonly old bastard <laughs> and then says that's his specialty. And truer words were never spoken. <laughs> yeah, that is Hugh Grant. This don't give a fuck vibe that Grant is throwing off in interviews these days and his performances is just utterly hilarious and it works. And it's really clever too because that's what a lot of people are going to see the film for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was some trepidation about this role when we were first introduced to him in the trailer. But how he is introduced and is peppered throughout the movie. I think there's the perfect amount of Oompa Loompa, the perfect amount of mm. Hugh Grant, 
perfect amount of his cheeky, mischievous, you know, cunning and wit. He was just sensational yeah. in this yes, role. Yeah, that that dry acerbic wit that he has is just so funny. And when he starts singing, and he's like, "Oh no, can't stop! Once I've started, <laughs> you gotta listen." Oompa <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I think, you know, they're peppering in all this nostalgia, that classic oompa, loompa, oompa dee doo. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot get that song out of your head, even if you try or whatever. Too many <laughs> syllables there. You know what I'm trying to do. Yep. And, and it was good. It was, it was used to great effect. It didn't feel cheap. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. they were just reaching to elicit a reaction. I think in how it all showed mm-hmm. up with how his portrayal and what we know or maybe not know about the oompa loompa character, yeah. I think it was, yeah, perfect balance of all those things. Yep. We also have uh, the incredible Sally Hawkins as Willy Wonka's mother. That woman can do no wrong, honestly. I love everything that she's in. She is sublime in the flashbacks as as Willy's late mother. Really pulls on the heartstrings. She's in a handful of scenes, but my God, you feel her. Oh, I've got the Popcorn Podcast chills right now (laughs) as you're recounting her role as Wonka's mom. I just get emotional thinking about this small bit part that packs such a profound mm. emotional punch. I did tear up at the end of the film. Yeah. I did. I, I was I was very emotional and I thought, gee, she's had less screen time than Dame Judi Dench did in <laughs> Shakespeare in Love and, you know. And Cats. I don't know. Will she win an Oscar? Maybe not that far, but <laughs> I don't know. She'd let, she was, it was a profound impact. It yeah. was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, equally as amazing as Olivia Coleman as this fantastic, mm. vile Mrs. Scrubbit. And she's relishing, you can just tell, she's relishing playing someone so dastardly. Yes. God, isn't she just divine yeah. to, to watch? I mean, it's so great watching all these veteran actors. You mentioned Sally and Hugh. Uh, you've also got Ronan Keating in there, Matt Lucas. Rowan but Atkinson, not Ronan Keating. you have Olivia Coleman. Sorry? You said Ronan Keating, not Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Life is a roller coaster. Just gotta ride it. All night long. Yeah, so Rowan Atkinson. Thank you, Lee, not Ronan Keating. You know, you get on a roll and you just don't know what's coming out of your mouth. That was literally that was happening. Are you going to keep that in, are you? <laughs> yeah, keep it in, yeah. Are we keeping that in? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she she's just so nasty and dirty. And, you know, you've just got these great character actors on screen together and it's just so fun to watch mm. them have fun in, in these wacky roles that only come from the world of Roald Dahl, right? Yeah, exactly. And the standout by Miles, though, is Color Lane as the orphaned noodle. She's a sidekick, Charlie Bucket-like character who helps Wonka. Mm. And so she's kind of a callback of sorts to the 1971 movie and how Wonka is drawn to these kids who remind him of how he grew up making the best of, of his poverty and, and what, how they do the same. And what I, I really liked the two-hander between them because I think as we mentioned earlier, Wonka comes in with this, I think you use the word innocence, I use the word naivety. Mm. He's just very trusting, isn't he? But Noodle is a bit more rational. She's been living in a world, things haven't been particularly kind to her. So she gets taken on this wonderful journey but then also helps Wonka through things and she's just a a little actress to watch Mm. for sure. So I was really impressed by her work. And then there's this parade of villains and supporting characters that that don't stand out as much but they all contribute into the puzzle piece of this film. The chocolate box, if you will. 
It's a mixed chocolate box. Life is like a box of chocolates. Never know what gonna get. <laughs> Wonka movies like a little box of chocolates. <laughs> music. Let's talk about the music. Yes, we absolutely have to, given that it's a musical, don't we, Lakey? <laughs> <laughs> we should, yeah. Alongside the familiar pure imagination and Oompa Loompa theme, we have six new songs composed for this film. Not a lot of singing and dancing in that context. Like when you when you think about the fact that there's six songs and a callback mm. or two to the original film, it's not actually all that musical. You know what? That actually surprises me because when you just said six, I thought surely not. It felt like there were more than six songs. Mm. It felt quite nicely well-rounded. But, I mean, that's the balance of it not being an operatic musical, right, where they sing talk the whole time yeah. like maybe Les Mis. Yeah, six really surprises me. That's not that many songs no. for a musical movie. No, so if you're sitting on the fence of seeing it because you don't like musicals, it's not going to be that painful for you. <laughs> because, yes, naturally some people find uh, musicals a bit insufferable. Mm. Uh, I, I think this one is safe from that sentiment. You mentioned Pure Imagination. I I kind of half expected that that song to show up as an end credit song only because – we don't get it until right at the end mm. of the movie, and that's not necessarily a, a spoiler. I, I loved hearing it peppered throughout the score. You got yeah. flavours of that classic orchestral, so that was nice and welcoming and familiar. But the double meaning of the lyrics at the end just surprised me in how they used the song yeah. perfectly, and, and it just said so much more than I've ever heard um, it say to me before. Yeah, it was the perfect moment, and it gave it a, another meaning. And it further cements itself as one of the – greatest cinema songs of all time. And in that end moment, we get this lovely wrapping up of a bow where we get to see the factory start to come to life, the famous factory. And Mm. that brings us to the sets, the incredible sets that were built for this film. More than 50 were built. Crazy. And as we've said before, the style is not anywhere in particular, but it's imagined as a mix of Belgian, Czech, French, German, and sort of Swiss architecture with a bit of mm-hmm. London's, you know, wrong side of the tracks mixed in. Governor. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of that too. <laughs> Shine your shoes, Governor. <laughs> well, quite literally, that's part of the reason why Wonka lost all his <laughs> pennies at the beginning of the movie because <laughs> this little fella was shining his shoes every time he yeah. put his foot down. Hustling him out of, out of money. That's right. Oh. Did you love the look and yeah. feel of, of this movie? I admire filmmaking where they are encouraged to put as much in camera as possible. These sets felt lived in. Yeah. They were inviting. They were the perfect backdrop for the fantastical, magical nature of this world that mm. Paul King had had created and the actors to live in and the musical numbers. It was just gorgeous, gorgeous to look at. Gorgeous, just Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And the biggest challenge, I guess, is making the chocolate look real and Mm. delicious. And they actually made a lot of the chocolates for real. Things like, you know, the teacup that he takes a bite out of. That's a callback to the 1971 film. Um, Whereas Gene Wilder had to bite into a wax cup to make it look like chocolate. Really? They actually made a chocolate teacup now like things have come so far that these incredible artisans made a chocolate teacup for him to for timothy to bite into oh my god so gene wilder literally bit into a candle <laughs> basically oh. yeah 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 oh yeah. gosh and um, but all the sets as well like the sets uh in willy wonka's shop early on in the film 
like making flowers look edible and, and this tree and this river, like all these beautiful things from his childhood that he's reimagining as chocolate. And obviously they couldn't make everything chocolate because you have to be practical, costs and all that kind of jazz. But they had to make it look edible mm. and it did it was delicious i would have taken a bite out of one of those flowers <laughs> did you the lights come on and you were like gnawing on your <laughs> cinema seat just <laughs> pretending that it was chocolate nom 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 yeah incredible work from nathan crowley the production designer and his team mm. the sets were lavish gorgeous and at some points delicious like you've yes, described delicious indeed have we covered off everything Tim? Yeah, I, I think we've given it a, a good enough stab in the dark. I, I think our listener knows what we thought about this film. Yeah. So maybe we wrap it up. Have we have we helped you make up your mind about whether to see this film? Let's let's do a wrap up and just uh, cement that, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. So Wonka is the most surprising cinema delight of the year for me. I was very unsure going in and I came out with the biggest grin on my face and the remnants of a tear upon my cheek. It is charming, whimsical and so much fun. Chalamet delivers with the singing chops and the heavy weight of following the legacy of Gene Wilder's most iconic role as Wonka. Director Paul King proves once again that he has cornered the market in family films that deliver on wonder and heart, appealing to all. It's not the chocolate that matters. It's the people that you share it with. I highly recommend you check this one out. Isn't that nice? (laughs) Isn't that nice? Uh, I'm going to rate Wonka four popcorn kernels out of five, Lee. I think my teeth just fell out because that was so sugary sweet, Tim. My goodness. (laughs) I've got a book in the dentist at 230. <laughs> 2.30. <laughs> 2.30. Wonka is a delightful story that maybe won't satisfy the sweet tooth of Roald Dahl purists, but it will have families going back for a second helping in years to come. The dark soul of Willy Wonka is missing, but it's supposed to be, and it's replaced with the family fun style of Paddington director Paul King. But every box of chocolates has that one flavour that no one really wants. And in Wonka's case, it's the failure to show how such an inspired inventor developed his phantasmagorical engineering skills and how he came to pair that with his chocolate-making passion. It's a missed opportunity setting the story in the mean streets of this London-adjacent city, especially when there could have been more adventurous antics with the hilarious Hugh Grant Oompa Loompa. I'm going to give Wonka three and a half popcorn kernels out of five. You know what? That's a great wrap up. And we would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on this film. It could be divisive for all the reasons that you listed out, those sort of Roald Dahl Mm. purists. So slide into our DMs. We'd love to hear from you. And Wonka is in Australian cinemas from December 14th. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Let's launch into our news and trailer section of the episode, Lee. One of the year's most anticipated trailers finally saw the light of day and we were both absolutely floored by what we saw. That is correct. Aussie filmmaking legend George Miller dropped the first trailer for his highly anticipated follow-up to Mad Max Fury Road, Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. Say that five times Mm. fast, grouped like that. (laughs) Uh, The film serves as an origin story of renegade warrior Furiosa before her encounter and team up with Mad Max, most recently played by Tom Hardy and originally Mel Gibson in the 70s and 80s. So the prequel to the 2015 Oscar-winning and box office smash stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Furiosa, originally played by Charlize Theron, and a very different-looking Chris Hemsworth as the baddie, Dementis. Yeah, playing against type Hemsworth's dons a prosthetic nose, a la Nicole Kidman in (laughs) The Hours, perhaps, one might say, um, making the homegrown Hollywood superstar almost unrecognisable. The film was shot locally in Sydney, Australia, actually just around the corner from us, a lot of it. Yeah. Very cool. We went past the set. A couple of times to have a have a squiz. Yeah, you you sent me photos of basically a fence. There wasn't much to see. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing. No, I could see more out the sunroof. I was <laughs> was out the sunroof. Um, Fun. But Furiosa promises to be even more action packed than its predecessor, with a focus on in camera stunts and action, with even more insane production design and spectacle. Absolutely, that's what George Miller delivers. The action-packed adventure is expected to hit Australian cinemas in May of 2024, friends. Now, listener, Sydney's most stunning outdoor cinema, Westpac Open Air, has released its full lineup for the 2024 season, launching with Sofia Coppola's Priscilla, starring Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Elordi. So excited about this. Also premiering will be Force of Nature, The Dry 2 with Eric Banner, Anna Torv and Deborah Lee Furness, and National Theatre Live, Dear England, starring Joseph Fiennes and Gina McKee. Special preview screenings include Black Comedy Drama May, December, with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, and The Great Escaper, starring Sir Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine, and spy thriller Argyle. That was quite impressive. <laughs> Thanks. The outdoor cinema is perched on Sydney Harbour's foreshore and it's truly a unique experience where you can watch some of 2024's most anticipated films as well as recent releases like Barbie and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning set against these incredible panoramic views of Sydney Harbour. I want to go and see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning there. I reckon that'd be unreal. Amazing. You know what? They should put Mission Impossible 2 because that was filmed in Sydney. Yes. That'd be cool. Right, you heard it here first, Westpac Open Air. We expect it. It all kicks off from January 10 and you can get tickets and further information on the program at westpacopenair.com.au. It's time for Moira Shit's favourite season, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's award season, baby. <laughs> the golden One of my favorite lead-ins. Yeah. <laughs> the Golden Globe nominations have been released and the film categories are stacked as usual. Absolutely stacked. We'll just go through the big ones for now as no doubt there'll be, you know, so much discussion as further nominations roll out. Uh, Best Picture Drama nominations include Oppenheimer, no surprise there. We've got Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives, The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, it's looking like Maestro is is a real front runner. I mean, Oppenheimer too, mm. but but Maestro seems to be the front runner. And Maestro is a bit more top of mind because it's only kind of just hitting mm-hmm. the the award circuit and release. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of talk about Bradley Cooper's yeah. latest film for sure. Uh, best Picture, Musical or Comedy. We've got Barbie, Poor Things, American Fiction, The Holdovers, May, December and Air. It's interesting that Air is in there. Oh, I quite liked Air. I think it makes sense. As a musical or comedy? Well, comedy. It's funny. Yeah, I was lolling yeah. throughout. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is the thing about the Golden Globes. The whole, the separation between drama and musical or comedy is a really fine line. <laughs> it's kind of how some actors get put forward for best supporting actor versus best actor. Some of them are like the main actor in the movie, but they have more of a chance to win the award. It's just how yeah. the studios want to pitch them. So I feel the same about yeah. these categories sometimes. What's the front runner in this one, do you think? You know, I'm hearing amazing buzz from on the holdovers. Mm. It seems to be like the Stephen Bradbury of the award season. It's kind of only just coming out and everyone's talking about it and yeah. loving it. Poor Things is looking like a front runner too. Emma Stone's performance is, is incredible. I can't wait to see that one. Absolutely can't wait. In the best director category, we've got Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon and Celine Song for Past Lives. You know, I, I really, really hope that Greta Gerwig is, is acknowledged here, even though I didn't really like Barbie, mm. uh, controversially, didn't think it was all that great. <laughs> uh, but she offered an incredible vision and it's one of the greatest success stories in recent times, yeah. all Barbenheimer thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if she takes it. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama has um, Bradley Cooper, Cillian Murphy, Leonardo DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo, Andrew Scott and Barry Keane. Mm, I, I'm hearing amazing things about Bradley Cooper. I feel like it may be a mm. race between him and Cillian Murphy. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely up there. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is like, his performances are always so good, expectedly so. Like, it's almost like a Meryl Streep situation in that everybody expects <laughs> them to just deliver top quality every time. And so it's not a special and so they don't get nominated, which sucks, doesn't it? But Yeah, and look, he's amazing in Killers of the Flower Moon, but but I do think that there are some other performances in there that stand out more. Let's talk about best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama with Lily Gladstone for Killers of mm. the Flower Moon. She is absolutely exceptional in that film. Yeah. It doesn't shadow Leo, um, but is, is, is the strong performance in there. Yeah. We have Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Annette Benning for Nyad, Greta Lee for Past Lives and Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Lily Gladstone is, is the clear front runner in this that category. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy. We've got Fantasia Barino for The Colour Purple, which we haven't even seen yet, really. No. Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Feelings, Natalie Portman for May, December, Alma Poisty for Fallen Leaves, 
Margaret Robbie for Barbie and Emma Stone for Poor Things. And I, I think Emma Stone's got this one. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Margot sweeps in and, and takes the trophy for Barbie. Yeah. What do you think of Jennifer Lawrence and No Hard Feelings? I feel like that's just a Golden Globe sort of get because she yeah. hadn't made a movie in a while and she's very, <laughs> very popular. The movie is good and she's excellent and the domination's weird. But the same for Emma Stone. You know, she hasn't made a movie in a while either. And isn't it funny that like her and Jennifer are best friends Yes, and they're going they up are. against each other. It's really good. Oh, I actually, I can't, I didn't put that two and two together. I can't wait to see them on the red carpet and the award circuit. That's going to be good fun. Uh, Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. We've got Nicolas Cage for Dream Scenario, Timothy Chalamet for Wonka, Matt Damon for Air, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Joaquin Phoenix for Bo is Afraid and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. I mean, there's some good ones in there. I always, always want to see Nicolas Cage win. I feel like Paul Giamatti could have it. Yes. He he is the front runner at the moment, and I I think Nicholas Cage for Dream Scenario is one of my favorite roles of his in recent years. Yeah. It's so yeah, good, it's isn't so it? Good. I can't wait till it's we so talk good. about this film. We haven't actually talked about this film yet in no. in recording land. It's coming up very soon. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that film. <laughs> yes, me too. That is, you just got to go and see it. Yeah. It's out on January one, so that's that's our plug for Dream yeah. Scenario right here, right now. It's fucking insane. And if you're listening to this episode after January one, please go and check out our review of it because it's it's going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, speaking of award season, the ninety sixth Oscars will begin one hour early. Friends, uh, with the official show starting, yeah, at 10 a.m. on Monday, March 11th here on the east coast of Australia. Yeah, so the show is notorious for running longer than the allotted three hours, no matter what they do (laughs) to try and keep proceedings tight. It never happens. Um, You know, they try and play people off. They try and, like, keep things moving fast. Maybe this means they'll relax a little bit and we'll get a bit more entertainment out of the show. Mm, I mean, because it got to the stage where it was just, like, category, 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 and then maybe a bit of a monologue and category, 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 which gets a bit boring. So... Yeah. Category, 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 category. This will give it a little bit more breathing room, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah, I endorse this change. Well, also, Jimmy Kimmel is returning to host for the fourth time. He's done it a few mm. times now. Uh, and we can expect the nominations to be announced on January 23. It's the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> for Lee and I. So I'm counting down. Award season. Oh, my God. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I can't believe we're already talking about award season. I'm just so giddy with excitement. That means 2024 is already around the corner and I'm not ready. (laughs) Please make it stop. (laughs) Stop. I want to get off. (laughs) Oh, well, that's another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast, Lee, where we talked about Wonka, which is in cinemas from December 14. Yes, make sure you check it out. And as Tim said, slide into our DMs and let us know what you thought of the film. We always love hearing from our listeners. Thank you so much for listening, friends. We'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.